Hey friends, this is Holly Goodman, and you're listening to Isaac's Autism Wild podcast, where we focus on topics related to raising loved ones touched by autism and its impact on relationships and family. I'll be sharing some of my personal parenting experiences, raising my son Isaac, who passed away in 2007, as well as an entirely different parenting experience as I now raise my son Caleb, who never ceases to blow my mind with his beautiful autism perspectives. So grab a drink and join me as I interview this week's group of exceptional autism parents. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Isaac's Autism Wild podcast. Today, I have two dads, and then we'll represent the two moms of the group. I have Maria, I have my husband, John, and also David. Welcome. We are talking about the craziest things that we as parents have ever done in the name of autism for our children. And everybody might have a different take on this one. I actually have some kind of funny ones and serious ones because autism is not always a big bang theory every day. You know what I mean? Some of the craziest things that I have done in the interest of autism are having to call people out on the carpet for just not doing the right thing. But I'm going to start it light by saying that some of the funny, crazy things that I have ever done in the interest of autism is Actually, more recently, we've been having a lot since 2020, Cooper has been struggling. And we initially chalked it up to the fact that it was COVID and his whole routine, all the things that he liked to do were removed. And so he has had an escalation of just behaviors and they're self-injurious in nature. And, you know, at the start of 2020, it would maybe happen once a week, wouldn't you say? Yeah, probably once a week, maybe once yeah. a week. twice a month. Twice a month, yeah. And then it got to be once a week, and then it got to be once a day, and then now there are some days where it's just like, oh my gosh, like that was like five meltdowns today. And then sometimes they get to be longer than just 10 minutes. So it's just been progressed to the beginning worse. So anyway, I got to thinking that because John is a firefighter paramedic, and he has always said when he comes off of a shift, oh my God, you could totally tell last night was a full moon. Okay, all right. So it's partially John's fault that I went down this rabbit hole in the name of autism. But I got to thinking that, huh, there might be something to the phases of the moon when it comes to just people's mental well-being. And so I jumped down the rabbit hole of learning astrology because I thought that if I could understand Cooper's zodiac sign, maybe I could find some rhyme or reason to what is causing the behaviors. Maybe if I could figure out like planet... (laughs) like lines and what's blocking what, there might be an explanation and we could actually maybe plan and have a life again because it's hard to have a life when you can't predict or understand where the behaviors are coming from or why. I mean, literally, we're pretty good at being able to troubleshoot in our house, like what could have set him off because we have to do that for Caleb too. Like there is just some days where he is just not in a good place. And so you get pretty good as a parent trying to figure out where did that come from? That was unexpected. But there's no, there's like virtually no rhyme or reason to Cooper and some of his behaviors. So I jumped down the rabbit hole of astrology. And so then, of course, I had to start doing everyone's chart. And so then I felt like I became a um, little traveling fortune teller, or at least in my mind I did. I'm here to tell you that I did find some very interesting things about his personality traits and kind of like what he likes and doesn't like. But it did not actually lead me to an explanation as to why some of his behaviors were happening. Come to find out, it's wisdom teeth. So there you go. He wasn't born with four wisdom teeth. He was born with five wisdom teeth. He's extra. He's extra wide. Yes, but since he has virtually 
No, like, there's no functional language. He can't tell us how wise he is. But it does actually, he does look at us sometimes like we are incredibly stupid people. Well, I I think so. I actually was kind of skeptical of the astrology, right? but, but I'll be honest with you. I did find some interesting things. We have tried everything else, right? So we've, and that's the thing, I think with, with most autism parents is, you know, you're, you're trying to make your child their best self. Yeah. And dude, it takes you down some paths that you never thought you would be in, right? That's So you're so desperate you could even consider a stroke. <laughs> yes. I, he looked at me like, saw okay, Cooper, babe. Me and Mel Daddy yeah. had the other a couple of weeks ago. It was two and a half hours long. Yeah. This kid is absolutely beating his the shit face. Out of he it. looks like he has been in a bar fight. That's yeah. how bad it's grabbing his, his cheek. I mean, he caused a hematoma on his cheek that looked like somebody had just punched him. And for the lay face. person that's listening that doesn't know what a hematoma is, I'm guessing that's a bruise. Yeah, it's a big bruise. Yeah, it's, thank yeah. you. It looked terrible. Remember, honey, you got a crayon version of this for us non-medical people. Well, see, the thing is, they can go to a dictionary and say, what's a hematoma? And they can look it up. See, it's inspiring <laughs> education, right? It's inspiring and educational. There we go. But I think, like you said, David, I, I think we get to the point where there's a lot of things we don't necessarily realize the paths we can go on and the amount of education that you begin to understand. And that's something I will say that with Cooper researching diets and and the therapies and I mean there's so many things that you that you work on and you know I've seen some things that, that I felt like worked and then as you know as, unfortunately when they start to develop and their hormones start to come into play then it becomes kind of a a nightmare right I mean so we're hitting we're trying to hit one moving target we're hitting like five and the yeah. planet alignment thing is like huh that kind of it fits together right so now we got five more things to align so. It doesn't really surprise me, but I would say that I was kind of surprised by some of the information Holly found when she was digging up and applying it, not to just Cooper, but other people. And it was really, I don't know, it was surprising. It was surprisingly accurate in some elements. It was, very much so. And in case anybody's listening and pays attention to astrology, I'm a Virgo with a Sagittarius rising. So if that explains anything for those people that might know what I'm talking about, there you go. As you mentioned, you went down some, I don't want to say, I don't believe that the diet modification was necessarily down a rabbit hole because I think there was definitely some benefits, yeah. some visible benefits sure. to some of the diet things that we did early on. But with all things, as you heal their gut, the benefits that you're seeing, the kind of, I mean, you still stay in a good place, but it's not like there was like noticeable difference. We've been doing a lot of first responder trainings lately and traveling around and one of the questions that came, oh, when we were over in Idaho was somebody was asking me about the link to the gut and the brain and all of the things. And one of the stories that I told, and I didn't, hadn't thought about it in years until that question came up, is that Isaac, when he was little, started having seizure activity. And so they wanted to do the 24-hour EEG where they're, he's got all the electrodes on the head. David, you're nodding. So I know, have you been down that road where you had to do the 24-hour? Well, we were 48. 48. Yeah. Well, they actually keep you in until they feel like they have enough data um, to be able to give you answers. And what was interesting about this, he was two and a half, not even three. And, you know, we went in first thing in the morning, all things fine, you know, they get all the things on the head. And what do nurses come in? They offer, because he's a baby, you know, like little, and they're always offering a cup of milk. You know, here's a sippy cup of milk and kept giving him milk. And it was crazy to me that over time we started seeing cognitive decline. And so I'm thinking, oh, this is so great. They're going to find all sorts of stuff to give us answers as to the seizure activity. And at the end, actually, they didn't detect any seizure activity, but there was noticeable 
decline in his cognitive function, and he became like this little zombie throughout the, I think we were there 28 hours before they finally sent us home because they felt like, oh, we've got plenty to work with because there's definitely something going on here. And yet it wasn't anything related to seizure activity. It was, I think, the milk that he was, he was, the more milk he had, the more stowed he became. And it was on camera because they have cameras in the room where they're keeping them, you know, under video surveillance. And then, of course, they have the, the, the machines that are connected to their little heads. And so when it came back that there was no seizure activity, it made me start going down that, the discovery of diet modification. So we took them off of all dairy, and we then eliminated gluten as well. So, and it was definitely a benefit. But once his gut had healed, then we kind of got to that baseline and away we went. David, what are some of the crazy things that you... Now, they can be funny, ha-ha, Holly went down the, the hole of astrology. But we love our little ones so much, and big ones, that we have done a lot of things in the interest of our loved ones with autism. In the interest of those that might be listening, my initial response as I sat down today is like, I don't know if I'd have anything crazy, but crazy is defined by the individual. Yes. And so one thing for those out there that have to address their own craze, because this could drive you crazy, is addressing, for instance, things that are going to activate your child like a leash law. And stay with me here. But like, you know. I can't, every time we take Morgan to a social setting, we have to pre-qualify, oh, by the way, would you be willing to put them away for the time being or make other arrangements? And honestly, there have been some friendships that have been breached, understandably. I mean, they consider it a member of their family. We're asking, could you lock a member of your family in a room? I mean, essentially. And the answer is yes. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I can. I don't care if they have fur or not. <laughs> the answer was no, and I get it. And, you know, yeah. we, they have to make decisions. We have to make decisions. But in addressing perfect strangers when you go to a park where you think is fine because they have a leash law and somebody's in violation of the leash law and look completely understandably you take your dog out okay it shouldn't be you know this is relatively harmless unless i'm bringing my daughter to that park and so it is upon me to have to engage diplomacy and what it's it sucks yeah it does. but yeah. you have to walk up to the individual and say hey normally i wouldn't say anything i apologize for doing so my daughter has autism and she is definitely, if your dog's on a leash, she's fine. If yep. they're not, she, it's untenable. And luckily I haven't walked into a situation yet where the person hasn't been understanding. They have all been understanding. Isn't it interesting but, that perfect strangers in a park are understanding and yet people that you would consider friends are like offended by putting the dog yeah, in a bedroom? I'm not even sure if it's a, a fence or that, you know, I, they're, they're firm in their position and, you know. Trying to be as understanding as possible. I get it. I know, but I'm just, you're giving grace and I'm just like, that is bull. Beep. <laughs> addressing crazy is addressing vulnerability. You have yeah. to make yourself vulnerable. I had to go on a, a, our um, Facebook subdivision page because during COVID to get Maureen out, she went on her own, grab her scooter and go around the neighborhood. And I'm sure, I wasn't sure, but there was several times where she had run home, ditched her scooter, and run all of them because somebody had left their dog run around off a leash. And I had to go on the Facebook page. And, you know, I think I knew, but I wasn't aware. I just like, I'm not sure what the rules are, but here was the scenario. Can you please just be aware? And of yeah. course, a bunch of people jumped in, including dog owners, to our defense and said, yes, there is specific rules about this and leashes and dogs. But I mean, 
you're crazy might be addressing vulnerability. That's not an easy thing to do. I've gotten better at it. Certainly Meg allows me to be the one to kind of lead the charge there. It would be tougher for her, but you know, that's another way of addressing crazy that you probably have to deal with out there or some version of that, how to do it diplomatically. And that's, that's really hard for me. Yeah. It's so true. That is true. What about you, Maria? Well, I was deciding between two. Oh, well, why decide? Share both. They're both. I was going to say, I think, don't limit yourself. I know her of all superhero things. Oh, that is true. Superhero thing. I feel like I'm pretty good, but maybe not as versed as you. Like, so Josiah will take little action figures, create scenes from the movie. Yeah. Like, it's impressive. It's cool. Yeah. The fact is, I have to watch those new about 837 times. And the same seed over probably dumped them. Yeah. So. To get it right, I mean, oh, for accuracy. And th- there's a certain sound, like in Spider-Man, one of the Spider-Man movies, there's this, like, ferocious tech sound that he just plays at the highest volume. It makes me want to... That's yeah. his favorite. Yeah. So we watch it at least 15 times in the morning. Yeah. And then he sees me come around the corner, and he's like, sorry, Mom. So you know. Yeah. Cool. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, I know all things. Take me to Trivia on Superhero Night. Your girl. Well, and I'm just going to give a shout out to Maria. She went to trivia night with Andrea for like a little staff get together. I didn't go because Johnny, my hubby over there, his hip is hurting. So I decided to go home and make sure he wasn't doing anything he was not supposed to be doing because that's he can't be left unattended or he gets himself into trouble. And you guys hit trivia night. We did. And the topic that she nailed, got 100%, was sandwiches. New mall. New mall. She's a fan. She is a, turns out, she knows a lot about different sandwiches. So I was like, never knew that about Maria, but now, now we do. Now we do. I could live on sandwiches. Back on the Cooper thing is that we will spike. So John will start drinking a Mountain Dew. And I'm like, make sure he sees you drinking the Mountain Dew. And then we spike it. And then John pretends like he's taken some more sips. He sits it down and then he'll go into the other room, the kitchen or whatever. And sure enough, he is on it in two seconds and he will guzzle it. And then I make a big deal about Cooper, that is not yours. And then he runs with it to try and chug the rest of it before I get to him. So we've got Miralax in it. Yeah, Miralax, that was what we were thinking in there. It worked like a charm, worked like a charm. As soon as it's someone else's, and then if I make a big deal about Cooper, don't drink that. It is not yours. You need to ask first. And then he's on it. It's like this whole Jedi mind trick I play. But we were just talking about Mountain Dew Zero. It is very good. Caleb also likes the Major Melon that's the Zero, but you can't find that stuff. So in autism world, and it goes back to even like food preferences. I will literally, if I see Costco has the certain type of chicken nuggets and that is the one that he likes, I will literally drive to every, even Coeur d'Alene, I will drive to Idaho and I will stock up on that brand because when you find it and God forbid that they quit carrying it and then you have to try and transition to a different brand. Oh no. Mm-mm. There's a going through the process of supply chain issues is companies prioritize on the basis of the best sellers. So don't you know that the Pillsbury Cinnabon Cinnamon rolls, not the grands, but the flaking grains, must not be prioritized. It's the only one word. <laughs> not the grands, but the flaky grains. That's flaky. And the flaky grains and the grands look identical. In fact, you go to um, get some help at the grocery store and they can't tell the difference. They even visit. How do you know? How do I know? Yes, how do you know? How do I know that only Albertsons is something to admire at some time? Gee, I don't know. I might not be <laughs> um, Yeah, I, 
they don't know because they look identical and they put them in the wrong spot. So sometimes you have to dig. And do you coach them through that? Hey, sir, who stocks shells? I'm a concerned shopper here. And I just want you to know that you miss. No, you've given up. Yeah, yeah, you don't you know, they look identical. So I was giving them grace again. Oh, look at you giving people grace. See? And in the interest of autism, I don't give people a lot of, I, I mean, some days I give grace. But it's like, sometimes I'm like, you have one job. Like, get the flakies where it's supposed to go. Get the regular where it's supposed to go. How hard is that? Problem is, the flakies are not available right now. I mean, we even brought them home. You know, it's huge. You look though, and just like, yeah. So, you asked for, I'm going to recount a crazy one. Or, you know. Because uh, we are in the 120s now. Yeah. I'm just going to say. Roblox. Yeah. And okay. a way to connect with Morgan. But there have been times. Oh, I was hoping you were going to share this story. I honestly, yeah. last night when I was thinking, oh, I'm going to see David tomorrow. I was like, I hope that's one of the stories. Yeah, and I was saying there was two different instances. One was unfortunate. One was funny, which was, you know, she doesn't understand good natured ribbing or good natured, you know, banter between adolescents. There, she's getting better. Yeah. Her younger sister certainly necessitating that. But there was one time that she was on there and kids were picking on her and she actually tried to advocate for herself and tell them that she has autism and that actually made it worse. Oh, no. like, oh sure. Oh, sure. So then I took her user and I said, this is her father now. And in fact, she does like, oh, yeah. So then I went on there with my own. <laughs> but okay, this is now really her father. And unfortunately, it didn't. It didn't improve, improve the situation. Oh, you know, she didn't understand. I'm kind of helpful. And then there was one time. I guess a more receptive crew. She was on a game. And again, some just good natured banter and, you know, teasing her a bit. She didn't understand. So then I got on there. I said, look, you guys, we're dealing with somebody who has autism. She did Who's this? All caps. I said, this was. <laughs> and then I, oh, okay. I'm sorry. Well, so the, those particular kids understood and backed off. But uh, yeah, I, you never envision yourself going in as some avatar character with a pink hat and a feeding for your daughter in some virtual platform. But, and you've done it. Oh, you've done it. Yeah. And no, no, no regrets. No, none, well, none whatsoever. Links that you, I mean, you already know the links that you're going to go to in parenting for a typical child. All those things that you said, God, I would never do as a parent. A mole. Yeah. Because, you know, the situation is dictate. Desperate. Certainly, I cannot expect. Yeah. That's what I've been missing from the IEP. It's a pink hat. Oh, yeah. See, I wear my red pants or a red shirt, people. If you see me wearing my red pants or a red coat or a red shirt and want my power color coming through. So I will say that this last year for IAP, I did not wear anything red because I thought, okay, maybe people listen to my podcast and they're on to me. So I now, I, I toned it down and it was still a fine IAP meeting. But here's another cray cray, holly cray cray, is when we talk about schools, Tyler, I think he was... Tyler was, is four years older than Caleb. So when Tyler started going to elementary school and I knew that Caleb was going to be coming up the ranks and was going to eventually land in this elementary school too, I thought to myself, self, what are strategies that you can utilize in order to just be valuable to this school and make frenzies and allies with some of the teachers and stuff? So Holly became the PTG president of that elementary school because I was like, surely this gives me an inside, you know, placeholder of like familiarity, know all the teachers preemptively. So then when 
dot, 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 four years later, Caleb arrives on the scene. I have a rapport with them. So they know that if I have to get crazy or I'm asking for something, they'll at least have a premise for understanding that I'm a good person and I'm helpful and it's worth it. And should I ask for something a little off the wall, maybe they'll give me the grace and consideration because, oh, it's Holly. And look for all the things that she's done through the PTG. Works like that for a while. And then until it didn't, and then we left that school. (laughs) So anywho, now we are, you know, no, well, actually, I can't say I'm not a PTG president still because then now I'm the current PTG at the, the boys' it's high school and Caleb will be there next year. So we'll see if that gets me any any favors. But crazier things have happened. My husband's looking at me like, oh, yeah. Like you're crazy. Yeah, like I'm crazy. Yeah. So anyway, any other fantastic stories of I've had families use some families couldn't join us today. I won't name names, but I happen to know for a fact that There is a lot of family members who end up going back to school to get degrees in things that are related to the disability world. For instance, we have a fair, we have a handful of parents that are BCBAs because they were going to go back to school. They're annoyed at some of the things and access and how things roll out. And lo and behold, we have a few BCBA moms. We have many that have gone back to school to become special ed teachers. Uh, and I don't think that's a, not that they're, they're kids as teachers, but I think, again, when you're in the disabilities world and you see how, wow, this is not good. So I hats off to those people that are willing to become a teacher to go in and try and fix a system that is broken, because I think that. I mean, in my mind, that is the craziest of all crazies because, you you know, you don't want me teaching your kids. I mean, I was teaching the kids in the clubhouse this week how to swear. I'm not sure how that's going to roll out when the kids tell their parents. Maybe they don't even go home and tell their parents what they do at the clubhouse. I'm like, maybe. You don't talk about it. (laughs) You don't talk about it. Vegas, right? Yeah. So maybe that's not going to come up when their parents ask them, what did you do at the clubhouse this week? Oh, Miss Holly taught us how to swear. We didn't practice the mother of all swear words, people. So, like, your kids are still safe with us. But, yeah, I think the craziest of all crazy is becoming a teacher. You would not, I, you'd not catch me in the classroom. Although you did it. Don't act like you didn't do it, Maria. No. I did do it. And I loved it. Let's talk about I that. What did you do? Well, I did it right. You did it right? Oh, what did you, okay, so tell us from the beginning. Not everybody knows what you did. So, I was a preschool teacher for um, ECAP and developmentally delayed preschoolers. But what I did was I started off building a relationship with the parents so that they knew I was a safe person, that I was, their kiddo was going to be okay and treated right and all the things were going to be followed. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of the mishap is. There is no intent to develop a relationship with the parents. So you have to kind of get them on your side. And if something does go awry, they're not like fit to be tied from the beginning. That's true, because if you have a relationship with the teacher, you're going to have a conversation instead of just losing your marbles. And you're going to have trust. Like, I'm going to trust someone that I have a relationship with. Like, I think this is a bad idea, but I'm going to let this roll out. And sometimes I'm surprised. Sometimes I have, when Caleb, when we transitioned from the school where I was the PTG president of, and we had to exit stage left and go to a different school district, I was peeing my pants because I was so stressed because we were going to one of the biggest public schools in our region. Actually, second largest in the state, I believe. Anyway, so I was peeing my pants because we were like tiny school district to ginormous school district. So I was freaking out. I wrote a novel about how, here's the the here's the encyclopedia of how understanding Caleb and how he operates just to try and preemptively 
So I guess that's considered crazy. Maybe, you know, again, it's all relative. It's crazy. Like, I feel like that's normal. Don't we all write novels and like tell teachers in advance, like, here's my child. If this should happen, here's what's going on. If they should say something like this, here's you need to ask more questions. If they seem defiant, they are not really defiant. There's some rule or something that's like in their head that's preventing them from needing to do. So to me, it seems very normal. But to other people, it's like, wait, other people don't do this. But anyway, we made the transition from the little school district to the big school district. And I was like making myself sick about it. And turns out I was just overstressing and overcomplicating things. And I should have just, again, trusted the teacher. I know what I'm doing. And it's like, sure you do. Sure. I've heard that a thousand times, right? I mean, because we've all heard it. I mean, I have been teaching for blah, blah, blah years. Which is the teachers. I did what? I think what I had in my back pocket oh, yeah. is everybody knew that I knew how to advocate for my kid. And they knew that I knew the rules and the laws and all the things. So I think that was a security for them as well. Uh, it was very well known to and necessary. Yeah. And they knew I would advocate for their kid out. Yeah. Just that's as much true. as I would for my own. Yeah. I think that's probably one of the things that uh, we connected here on. The one thing that drives me craziest is, oh, I've had specialty my clock. Oh, 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 into your nice, tidy little box of what a specialty child. There's nothing extraordinary you need to do um, to address the situation. Okay, so this is, I'm going to ask the question. What is your window? Because when I have a teacher that tells me, oh, I've been, this is my 25th year. When I have a teacher that says, I've been teaching, this is my 25th year. I think to myself, oh, shit. This is not going to be good. Because in my mind, all those teachers, because there's so many that have all this experience, exactly what you're saying is that this, well, I had kids with autism in my class, you know, before. So it fits into that mold of what they think is going to happen. So to me, that's a huge turn off. So I think there's a window now. I've decided that mentally for me, there's like a mental window. I don't want this to be your first or second year teaching because I don't want my kid to be the guinea pig of like your experience. But so what is your range when you find out a teacher has between blank and blank years of experience that you're like, okay, this might actually be okay. Is Do you have a window? I think it's more of a philosophy because I think that they are, they believe they're instilling security when it seems really dismissive. And the correlation I make, you know, in my current position and, you know, having to present for us as a product, I have to be conscious of the fact that I might have said this very pitch 150 times. And why aren't you getting it? Not understanding that the receiving ears are hearing this for the first time. I have to treat them as if this is the first time they've ever heard this concept. They have no background. They have no perspective on this whatsoever. And I think what we would all appreciate, treat it as if, you know, you're the st- on staff at a hospital. You may have told this concerned, fam- concerned families in general 150 times this very thing. This particular concerned family, it's the first time they've ever been in front of you. Hi. So, David, what else do you got for us? I mean, again, buddies. Word. As an introvert, she's a self-described to advocate. Amazing. And she's very assertive. Very direct, which is not her nature, which means she's overcoming stuff. Why going into things that we're uncomfortable with that you suck, you're not going to be able to do this, you're you're fail. Maybe you have, and I have. <laughs> but, uh, Wait, everybody doesn't have that self-talk going on in their mind? 
And it's, I mean, you know, addressing, for instance, the teacher at school who, again, that we had described, well, I've had kids before that are special needs and I just don't know what to do with Morgan. I'm like, you have her IEP now. Okay, well, that's... That would be step one. Her solution initially was, you know, as the one kid that was picking on Morgan and taking her things from her in class and kicking her desk, which for Morgan means when I enter that class, this is what this class is about. And suggesting, well, you're just going to have to work it out yourself in middle school, Morgan. Oh, God. Which, of course... And then if you can't learn how to focus and pay attention, I'm going to have to have you stand in front of the class and at my desk. I mean, just play right into the wheelhouse of all of Morgan's vulnerabilities. So in written correspondence and in ways of addressing this, Morgan now is taken out of that particular science class and has a one-on-one. And all of a sudden, science isn't this thing and thing other than another class to be frustrated by, but not all of the other trappings of a kid that's picking on me and a teacher that doesn't understand. Yes. Kudos to my wife for, you know, addressing some of her vulnerabilities and advocating for our daughter. Back to her. I, too, live hovering until. Seriously. Really? Oh, yeah. I had no idea. Although that kind of makes sense because when I first met you, you were very quiet. And I was just like, oh, well, you know, maybe it was because Josiah, like, you lip-locked me the very first time I met him and that offended (laughs) um, you. But, yeah, you were very quiet. You were very quiet. Very quiet. Very reserved. I would never speak up, and I didn't want to be seen. Now look at me. And now look at Maria. I'm shaping other parents up. Yeah. Bye. That's just it. You're always c- coaching and even sitting in meetings with parents about IEPs and what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. It's funny. Once that mama bear comes out that you didn't know you had, it's true. there's no putting it back. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, now we're, and it's a lifelong. We'll get good at it. Yeah. The one that uh, drives home a more effective message to the one who's saying louder, like, okay, that all may be, however, this. Yes. You know, they don't like they being, you know, the teacher that's stuck in there 25 years and I've been doing this, being called out that, you know, there might be a different way to address certain situations. Once you get set, don't allow yourself to be teachable anymore. Even as a teacher, I don't mean to call out teachers. There's a bunch of wonderful ones, but there are. But I think that the sweet spot for me, my mental sweet spot, is anytime you have a teacher that's been teaching more, like oh, I've been a teacher for 25 or plus years. To me, that's a same thing that you're saying. Is that as a person that basically they do what they do. A lot of it is their comfort area, and you don't want to have to learn new tricks. You just want to do what's easy and has been your go-to for forever, and that means that they're not necessarily receptive to seeing things from a different perspective. My preference is to not have a teacher that is taught less than five years. So my sweet spot is between the five and 15 um, years where they've been teaching because you have probably have, in fact, come in connection with a lot of kids with differences. and. You're still honing your craft and you're still learning. When you get into that, like I said, 25 plus, I'm like, oh no, where's, can I get a different teacher? I feel bad. I'm sure you're a very nice person. Please don't be offended. They still are. But I just feel like we need someone that might have more current experience and an education around the special education model of what is best practice, if you know what I mean. Because what was best practice for when they entered their career will set your hair on fire, people. It will set your hair on fire. I'm getting tired of wasting time. Who wants to waste time and let's like, well, it, it will probably be okay. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. How many times have we done that? 
where it's like, okay, I'm going to slow my roll and it's probably going to work itself out or I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt or we're going to give it a little bit more time because we're still that transition period and it's come back to bite you in the ass. We've talked about where is my, I've had a teacher never actually bought special ed. Yeah. She had a special ed endorsement, but she was, that was 25 years old. Again, what they were, what was best practices back 25 years ago when she might've gotten that endorsement looks a lot different at the end you're wanting to retire at the end up the pay scale so she jumps into special years to retire higher even though her in special ed life's 25 years that was a class well what you just said holly is like trust your intuition if that red flag avails itself in the very beginning you have to assume it's not going away oh you know this will develop into something better if we give it time just I mean, that science teacher, the moment she said, the moment she, so it was like, okay, I, You've, I mean, the moment she did that, I'm like, okay, we're not dealing with somebody that's going to be ideal for this scenario. Yes. I mean, even before we found out she didn't have her IEP and just echoing frustration is like, if you're frustrated like this with Morgan, she senses that and she knows, oh, here's, I'm walking into a situation where somebody's frustrated with me. I'm, you know. Yeah. And that's all she could focus on. Like any of us would want to walk into a situation where you sense irritation and frustration and the, none of us would want to, let alone our kids. They are more perceptive than we give them credit for. So, you know, challenge your own crazy in that, like, these things don't seem so outlandish. The crazy doesn't have to be an outlandish act. And, you know, we've been on this journey for 10 years plus now, and you have for more. The person that's just starting out on this journey, you know, you'll walk into a bunch of people that are an expert at this. this you're an expert in your child. And so that in itself is as valuable as any expert that was going to try to steer you in a certain direction. You sense that that's not right. You're right. And so you're crazy is just challenging the notion that I'm going to buck and, get, and, and challenge the expert. You know, if that runs contrary to what you're doing, that seems crazy itself. Starting on this journey, try it out. Yeah. See how it goes. I guess part of it is we don't realize how crazy it seems because we're in it. That's true. A lot of people are like, well, I don't have a choice. Yeah, because what's the alternative? Right. And I think also, yeah, you said something important there too. Starting out, it's like a lot of things seem crazy. There's a shift in your whole paradigm of what your family structure and the childhood is doing. And that itself creates a lot of anxiety, a lot of doubt. You get to a point after you guys had, I'm sure all you have, embrace the chaos. Yeah. But that's a process. You're not going to get there. But at some point, how's the family? On worship. And I wear my shirt proudly. Well, she's doing well. I'm like, no, we're a shit show and it's chaos. Like, oh, really? Like, yes. It's degrees of the shit show. Like, actually, it's a fairly, I would say it's the shit show is rated at a level two this week. But, like, in a couple weeks, the shit show is going to turn into a 10 plus, right? So, but it's all degrees. But lends itself to your own set. Put up the pretense of, oh, we're doing well. We're, ha we're proud because Piper was on time two out of five. This week. Yeah. yeah. This is the one that's not special me. Yeah. It's like, but this is the chaos that our house. Yeah, that's the crazy too. Them being so trans in a world that's not crazy. Yeah, it's very crazy. Yeah, people put their highlight reels out on social media platforms, and then you're, it makes you be like, "Oh my god!" Like, literally, what 
now it makes my shit show look like, you know, I thought the scale of the shit show was the 1 to 10, but maybe my shit show scale is actually 1 to 20, maybe 1 to 50. But then you have to realize and put in perspective, those people are only putting in their highlight stuff, and that's they're living a shit show too. They just don't, they aren't transparent about it. And we can go down the uh, road to insanity. Like we're comparing our insides with their outsides. On Facebook, you're mm-hmm. all their outsides, everything they want to present. Understanding they're well-meaning and they have those inside internal struggles that we do, just not revealing those. So let's not drive ourselves crazy. Best. I. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah, that's my comfort zone. It's just like, this is me. Love it or leave it. And that then brings me back to John's final thought. That was our dating. Love it or leave it. Like, this is me. This is what you could have. And you actually chose to love it. I did. Uh, but, I, but I'll tell you, I, I think in listening to what you guys have, to, everybody has said, you know, I, I think that the human nature is to meet the challenge that's in front of you, right? And, and the people that throw their hands up and, and give up, you know, that's when you start to see, you know, having worked in, in the EMS and seen some of the group homes and some of the non-involvement by the parents who didn't advocate, you know, I, I see that. And I think that's one of the things I saw with Holly was that, you know, not only did I love who she was, but the, the thought that she uses to advocate for Cooper so he becomes his best self, that was a huge part, a huge thing. But, you know, I've seen the non-advocation for some of these folks and some of the dis- disabled folks, and I've seen what the end result looks like. And it's not something I want for my, for my child, right? I mean, so we'll do a lot of crazy things to keep the end, end result from happening, I guess is what yeah. I'm saying. So I did ask him the other day, I said, babe, when you said, hey, Holly, let's like date. And like, I was like, but this is a shit show. Did you actually like fully, like, is this more of a shit show than you realize going in? And he said, well, yeah, but I wouldn't change it. So I think by, you know, that's what he signed on for. I mean, you probably knew that not all of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, there was Delta. Yeah, surprise. She's a pretty open book. I yeah, no, I get that. I get that. But uh, um, I think, you know, in advocating too, and just hopefully a mindset, if you think things are crazy and you're going crazy and you're questioning your parenting skills because you feel crazy, you're engaged. I mean, I show me the dad that like things are going amazing parenting and things are bliss. And I'll show you a dad that's not involved. You know, honestly, I'm speaking specifically for dads because I mean, I revealed the other day in a counseling session that like, you know, I just, I feel completely unequipped, ill-equipped as a parent. I questioning the fact that I should have even gone into this whole parenting thing. And sometimes that's right where you're supposed to be as a parent. Yeah. If I'm engaged, yes. then I don't have a freaking clue. Just like in a job, but especially in parenting, there are days like, God, I'm nailing this thing. And days like, I don't have the foggiest clue what I'm doing. Yes. And there's essentially where we live in parenting. Yeah. That's just showing up. That's our reason. Yeah. Just show up every day. Well, I think too, you know, you get comfortable like so, and I'll use a motorcycle analogy. About the time you figure you've got the motorcycle mastered, riding the motorcycle, then that's when it starts riding you because you don't expect or you're not looking for the, 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 un, the, uh, the whoop that's out of, out of sequence, right? That, that can throw you off the thing. So I'm I think kidding. that, yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that's one of the things you're exactly right, David. You're always, if you're not a little bit of fear in the back of your mind, you're not sharp, right? Because the human nature is that when we're high, when our sentences are when our senses are heightened because of the lion at the water hole, 
we're kind of in the wrong place. If we become, become complacent, then that's when we lose. Ever get a motorcycle on Piper? Yeah. <laughs> you laugh. That's, yeah. Oh, that's adorable. Yeah. Someday when your girls are older and maybe we're not around anymore, David, we'll be able to point them in the direction of these wonderful podcasts as our living legacy to them. They'll be through. I'm sure they will be. I tell my kids, like, I keep thinking to myself, oh, I should write them each like a memoir or something, like something really profound. I'm like, oh, no, there's Isaac's Autism Wild podcast that they can just tune into and, and they'll know exactly how I felt about a lot of things that they they were part of. So anyway, well, with that, thank you guys for joining me for this episode of Isaac's Autism Wild podcast. We will catch you next time. And that's it for now. If you want to be notified of our next podcast release, be sure to hit subscribe. And just remember, we're all in this together. So find your tribe and hold them tight.